Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, following the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites, revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality, coming to you from the Great White North and his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard. Welcome once again to another episode of Strange Planet. Hard to believe we are approaching the 60th anniversary of the murder of the 35th president of the United States, John F. Kennedy, murdered in plain sight in daylight, broad daylight, on November the 22nd, 1963. It's interesting as the years go by, I get this from younger people. Why does it matter? Why are you still talking about that? Well, we're going to delve into that, why it still matters. It still matters, uh, perhaps more than ever. And uh, I have a very interesting gentleman on the program today. And uh, Chuck Ocelli, he's a polymath. He's a podcaster and a noted JFK researcher. He's the host of The Ocelli Effect, which... um, airs weekdays from 8 to 10 p.m. We'll tell you how to listen to that. He brings a, a conspiracy realist's perspective to topics ranging from deep politics to popular culture, from political assassinations to science, fact, and fiction, from the alternative to the mainstream, from the speculative to the historical. And uh, I guess back in, when was it now, 2008, um, He created the Blind JFK Researcher channel on YouTube. We'll find out about that as well. Hey, Chuck, welcome to Strange Planet. How are you? Great to meet you. It is really great to meet you, Richard Serrett. I've actually been a longtime listener. (laughs) So, uh, and I I used to listen to you uh, do another show uh, that, uh, that uh, it was a little hard to find on podcasts, maybe about way back when I did start that YouTube channel. Uh, I was listening to you fairly regularly. You did a weekly show and uh, covered a lot of things like the JFK assassination, which is the first thing that brought you to my attention. Ah. Um, and uh, I'm a bit of a connoisseur of talk radio as well. Ah, wow. Wonderful. Well, yes, I'm, I'm an old radio hand. And so uh, I often catch myself in this new, relatively new medium of, of podcasting. I use a lot of old uh, radio formatics, <laughs> probably things that uh, younger people wince at and saying, why is he doing that? Well, I've just uh, some habits uh, uh, are hard to break sometimes as an old radio person. Um, first of all, the blind JFK um, uh, researcher, it, th- that program that you launched on YouTube, what is the, uh, is that still a thing or? You know, a funny thing up until this year, it sure was. Uh, <laughs> but unfortunately, I, I, I happen to make some statements that uh, the YouTube community found were uh, controversial and uh, were, were against their community guidelines. Uh, one of the weirdest ones I made, and I, I, I want to describe this to you because it actually relates to tonight's topic. There were multiple complaints against me, and uh, it was finally removed, uh, the channel entirely. Um, I'll tell you about the name of it, and I'll also tell you about why the channel was removed really quick. The channel was removed ultimately uh, for a variety of uh, violations of community guidelines, allegedly. Uh, One of the best ones, though, was that I was uh, supposedly encouraging self-harm, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I would not do that. You're going to find out why I would not do that for a very personal reason in just a moment. But you know how I did it? I put up a video of John F. Kennedy, actually. Uh, making two different statements, which 
were in contradiction with one another. They, uh, they were about the Vietnam War. And one of them was a privately dictated letter, and the other one was a public uh, statement uh, accessible to anybody. And I, and I showed clips from these things and said, look, these are two different statements that were happening simultaneously. They're contradictory to one another. And one wonders why there is a public pronouncement alongside of the private letter that he's dictating into a dictaphone. And that was the essence of the video, Richard. I don't get it. <laughs> Neither do I. You see, uh, and I, I did not understand fully why it was I was completely banned, no matter what I tried to appeal and everything else. Uh, it was just, it was time for me to, to exit YouTube, apparently. Uh, so, you know, other platforms like Rumble and things like that are available to those of us that might get kicked off of YouTube or, or uh, suppressed on there. So it does happen. Right. Just saying. And, it's, uh, and I'm not a right winger either, just so you know. But uh, go, go, go. All right. So the, the, the blind JFK researcher, um, uh, how did you lose your, your sight, Chuck? Ah, well, didn't really lose it. Never really had it. Uh, I, I'm what you call legally blind. I was born this way. And what happened is uh, around the 25th anniversary, uh, when I was still in high school, I got involved with researchers and uh, we started, you know, exchanging letters and things like this. Uh, I was part of an email or not an email, excuse me, part of a mail chain that went around, uh, that, that ended up involving the most famous person from the chain was, uh, Vince Salandria. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and we exchanged ideas, information. We were stapling, uh, pieces of paper, uh, to letters and mailing them out to one another. Things like this were going on. And this was about, uh, say 1988 in there, 89, I think, I think it went on until maybe 1990, but either way, uh, toward the end of my high school years, I was doing this and I was doing research in groups with people. And we would get on, uh, uh, you know, what they used to call um, party lines, you know, where more than one person could get on a phone line. Yes. Again, we're talking all sorts of grandpa technology here, uh, <laughs> you know, because what, what, what is a party line? What do you, a phone? Yeah, it used to be a wired thing that you had in your home, too. All right. All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so we're on multiple calls and there was more than one guy named Chuck. And I was the guy who everybody always saw carrying around magnifying glasses and uh all sorts of visual aids so I could read documents, uh, so I could enlarge things, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, which Chuck are you talking about on the phone line? Well, the blind one. So I kind of just embraced it. Yeah, I'm the blind guy. So what? And I am actually legally blind. So, uh, but, but nonetheless, I did a lot of reading uh, and, and certainly uh, put in my time and effort, you know, with magnification, uh, with uh, either electric devices or electronic devices or just plain old, you know, handheld uh, magnifying glasses. So it was just sort of a trademark thing. I used to have one hanging around my neck, a couple hanging out of my pockets. It was just the way it was, depending on what piece of work I was doing. Um, so, yeah. And when I decided to do a YouTube channel, which initially was just to um, critique a few books, that's all I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And they were about the assassination and I wanted to point people to some good information um, yeah, I just said, well, the blind JFK researcher, I don't think anybody will steal that. So, uh, <laughs> so I adopted the name. <laughs> it's a great handle. It's a great handle. Uh, was that book that you were going to critique, uh, Gerald Posner's case closed by any chance? Oh no. I mean, look, if you got to my channel and couldn't figure out that that was a piece of propaganda or, you know, and, and by the way, allegedly written by Gerald Posner, but you know, let's not go into that. <laughs> <laughs> 
who knows if he actually authored uh, everything that he supposedly authored because there have been instances where he didn't uh, you know, public record. You can go find it out for yourself if you don't know about it. But, uh, and Richard, I'm not telling you, I'm telling your listeners, right. uh, but it's just a thing. Uh, no, wouldn't have been that. No, I was trying to point people to good information. Uh, you know, and at that time I was, uh, talking to, uh, individuals like, um, James Douglas, you know, who, uh, who wrote JFK and the unspeakable, uh, has done a, a great deal of work uh, on other political assassinations and murders things like that. But at that time I was just having phone conversations with great people like that. And, uh, I just wanted to point people to it and say, you know, there's some great stuff coming out, uh, great information and, um, you know, new information constantly, even past the 40th anniversary, which had occurred in 2003. But, uh, yeah, so about 30 years worth of work, mostly not taking credit for anything and mostly uh, handing over my research to others so that, uh, I could uh, reinforce the things they were doing. Mostly. All right. So now we have uh, the Acelli effect, uh, which sounds like, I, I believe it's like a whole uh, online radio station that you've launched, right? Yes. Um, that grew from just wanting to start a podcast. You know, uh, some people would say to me, uh, quite frankly, I would sit there watching uh, documentaries on the Kennedy assassination mostly. And, um, and I'd sit there correcting information, you know, uh, with, with others around me as that's wrong. That's incorrect. This person just misrepresented this and that and the third thing. And uh, uh, people in my own life said, you know, you should really be the guy on the TV doing this. And I said, no, nah, I don't want to be on a TV. I don't care uh, to, to seek fame. I don't want to write a book. Uh, but they said, no, but you need to speak out about these kinds of things. So, frankly, I started to uh, harass radio people because I love talk radio. And uh, people would do shows on the Kennedy assassination. And uh, when I say harass, I'm using it tongue in cheek. Right. Um, I, I would write to them and say, look, that was a terrible guest. Why don't you get on this person who has actually done some good research? Why don't you get on this person who's an actual witness who's still alive? Uh, things like this. And I bothered people like Jack Blood and James Corbett and, uh, and, and Clyde Lewis and uh, many others. And uh, they started writing back to me saying, you know, why don't you stop writing to me and do a radio show of your own? Um, so I did. <laughs> there you go. All right. And uh, people can find out more at ocelli.com, O-C-H-E-L-L-I.com. And uh, you can find the link in the episode description for this episode at ocelli.com. Uh, so to that question I let off with, as we approach the 60th anniversary, and I'm sure you hear this maybe from younger people, why are you still talking about that? Why does it still matter? Why does it still matter? Well, you know, that is the biggest question all the time, right? Uh, and, and I've been hearing that even since, um, you know, not just in recent years, not as we approach the 60th anniversary, but as we approach the 30th anniversary uh, around younger people, why does this still matter? Uh, I heard it around the 40th anniversary. I heard it around you, you sensing Mm, a, a, a trend here. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Why does this still matter to you? Well, I'll tell you why it still matters to me personally. Um, my, my father served in Vietnam and, uh, the government disappeared his, uh, his military record for quite a while. That's an adventure in and of itself. And I'm not going to discuss that, but, uh, he served in Vietnam and found that, uh, he, he had possibly served, you know, under false pretenses that, uh, that, that, that he had been misled etc etc and when i discovered that well truthfully if john f kennedy had not been publicly executed on november 22nd 1963 
uh, he would have withdrawn us from Vietnam. When I found that out, um, you know, I, I, I said to myself, well, that is many thousands, tens of thousands of men that were returned to the United States dead. That's well over a million men that were mutilated one way or another, physically, psychologically, spiritually, however you want to go about it, PTSD, missing limbs, other body parts, whatever, were returned to the United States incomplete. Uh, and there's anywhere between one and three million Vietnamese people that lost their lives uh, under what is now an admitted false flag uh, action that provoked, you know, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, so on and so forth. Uh, under that false pretense, but also if John F. Kennedy had his way, if he had not been killed, that war would have ended by the, uh, by the end of calendar year 1965. We find that out through National Security Action Memorandum 263. And in my mind, that is a crime that still needs to be answered for, one that has been affecting us generationally, has continued to affect us as we've gotten ourselves involved, the United States, uh, the we here, as we've gotten ourselves involved in other foreign entanglements under false pretenses, uh, the sovereign destruction of, of, of a complete, but the destruction of a sovereign nation under complete false pretenses, no matter whose story you want to listen to in Iraq, uh, the war in Afghanistan, how that was prosecuted an almost endless war, so on and so forth. These are the crimes that have continued to, uh, to give. And, uh, I, and I feel as though my generation, I was born in 1972, my generation was definitely affected by the, uh, um, our, our, our male role models, our uncles, our fathers, our grandfathers uh, being hindered, being crippled, being, uh, being destroyed by what, for what? Uh, a war, again, prosecuted under false pretenses. And, you know, again, a guy who was going to not have that happen, well, he was murdered. And, you know, it just so happens that the weekend he was murdered, the entire policy of the U.S. government changed, and we got right on into that conflict that continued on until 1976, which coincidentally is the same year my father committed suicide, uh, and, uh, and I had to live with that as well. So there is, there is my personal punishment for it, is I had to sit there and endure watching, uh, you know, the, the, I'm four years old at the time. Oh dear. Uh, watching the man that, uh, that, that I knew, um, you know, the, the, the man that was my world die and suffer, uh, because he had endured horrors. And for what was he defending you and me? Was he doing the right thing? Was he fighting communism as he thought? And this is a guy who volunteered. Um, anyway, so to me, it's personal. I believe that this is something that has continued to affect us and shape the generations ever after. So that's one argument. Uh, we could also say that, look, the, the will of the people was, was denied by, by the fact that, you know, a man who was elected was removed from office. I'm not one of these people who worships John F. Kennedy and thinks that he was the savior of mankind. But if the will of the people is, is no longer valid because you can change that with a bullet, and if you can send an entire generation to war and allow them to become wasted and embroiled and disillusioned with their country, their world, and allow them to, uh, to be nothing but cannon fodder, yeah, I, I, I think it still matters if this is all connected to this one particular murder. Uh, and, I, and I do believe it is. So is that a large enough or small enough answer for you, Richard? I mean, how do you feel about that? Uh, that may be the most eloquent uh, and profound answer to that question I've ever heard. Uh, Chuck Ocelli, 
uh, stays with us as we continue to discuss the JFK assassination nearly 60 years on. Back with more in a moment. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The truth will set you free. 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 But first, it will really tick you off. Welcome back to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Jack Ocelli is with us, a.k.a. the blind JFK researcher and uh, the Ocelli Effect, uh, his show and some other shows, uh, and that's all available at uh, ocelli.com, O-C-H-E-L-L-I.com, ocelli.com. You mentioned National Security Action Memorandum 263, where... Kennedy wanted to uh, pull, these were the, the Vietnam pullout orders. Mm-hmm. Um, the, people also talk about um, Executive Order 11110. Uh, the theory is that Kennedy wanted to um, reduce the power of the Federal Reserve and, and um, give greater power to the, uh, the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury. That may have been a motive the other one is, you know, he wanted to get rid of the uh, oil depletion allowance. That upset the oil barons. Um, do you think either of those two uh, may have had anything to do with it? Uh, or is it was it primarily uh, 263? Well, I wouldn't say that it's primarily 263. I, I have to address a couple of things that you just brought up, though, because... Um, Again, a, a strict reading and an understanding of Executive Order Number One 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 Zero is that it's an augmentation of an earlier order. And if you trace these things and you really examine them, uh, you, you find that uh, that's a bit of a misnomer about the idea that he was supposedly taking away power from the Federal Reserve and all of that. If you just read the order, um, what he did is take a a, a financial um, instrument and uh, place it in the hands away from himself, in the hands of the, uh, of the Treasury Secretary. It was C. Douglas Dillon at the time. Uh, and uh, really, quite frankly, it did nothing. Now, for those that want to postulate that he was battling the Federal Reserve, there is something else going on there that we don't have a lot of documentation on. Uh, I would urge people to take a look at James Corbett's work on this, though. He's done an eloquent presentation to explain the mis- uh, the, the, the misunderstanding of the executive order and the idea about these silver certificates and all this. Um, and also I, I, I've had G Edward Griffin on my show to discuss it as well. Uh, you know, the guy who wrote the, the creature from Jekyll Island and, and all of that. Uh, I, I assure you it's something that I urge anybody who believes that to study it carefully and understand that uh, it's got a lot more to do with uh, the, uh, the repeal of the silver purchase act and the changing of, of a mechanism, uh, which is almost irrelevant when it comes to battling the uh, the Federal Reserve. Matter of fact, there's a bunch of misnomers that people add on to that, where they say, oh, those uh, silver certificates were not printed after 1963. 
Uh, that's incorrect. They were printed all the way up to 1971. And if you take a look at the way they actually functioned, uh, you'll find that the, the, the reason why they stopped being printed in 1971 is because uh, Nixon uh, did away with the last vestiges of, of the gold standard then. Um, and there's a whole slew of things going on uh, that, that uh, quite frankly, just that's one of those things. That we, it's like a patriot myth is, is the way uh, uh, Corbett describes it. And you can look it up uh, at his site if you like. I'll point to his work or, or anybody's work on on these things if they've done something really good. Um, however, a guy who was battling Wall Street, indeed, a guy who was battling the Federal Reserve and, oh, you know, might have actually had an idea about uh, doing an audit. Does that sound familiar? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a guy who was uh, tangling with the CIA, a guy who was tangling with various elements of the military industrial complex uh, at the time. Absolutely. Um, when we look at motive here, the sad thing is that uh, th there's almost nobody who was in a position of power who didn't have a motive to uh, disrupt Kennedy, um, you know, because he was challenging a great many things. And again, I'm not one of these people who thinks that he was this uh, infallible savior um, who, you know, was, was absolutely out there to do everything in the world for everyone. Uh, but I find it interesting that, uh, and, and today we now have to look at RFK Jr. and the direction he's going in yes. uh, because, you know, obviously John F. Kennedy and, and, and RFK being assassinated a few years later. I mean, you, you take a look at the entire decapitation of uh, various people that were challenging the powers that should not be in the 1960s. I mean, you see a five-year period where just the bodies were dropping all over the place between, uh, you know, starting with Medgar Evers and ending with, uh, with, with, with Bobby Kennedy after Dr. King was assassinated in 68. Um, you know, the, the dismantling of the Black Panthers, all of that going on, COINTELPRO. You know, this country, not exactly as advertised, which is another good reason why the truth is important with the Kennedy assassination as well. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, James Douglas's book, Unspeakable. Um, and RFK Jr. has cited that book, I guess, as, you know, he, he, he cites that book as, I guess, convincing him perhaps, or maybe not convincing him, but as doing the best job, I guess, in some and summarizing why Kennedy was assassinated and who was responsible. And RFK Jr., uh, his campaign now uh, and the eerie parallels with his father running against an incumbent, um, coming you know out of nowhere with just by dropping these truth bombs and really resonating with with voters. Let's hope that that those parallels don't continue, you know, to its. Uh, uh, to, um, I guess, the ultimate conclusion, which would be a horrible tragedy. Um, getting back, th though, for, to um, National Security Action Memorandum 263, mm -hmm. and who had the most to lose? Um, like Bell Helicopter, for example. The names Michael and Ruth Payne uh, often come up, and their strange association with Lee Harvey Oswald and Ruth Payne being friends with Marina and, you know, why would Michael and Ruth Payne befriend the Oswalds and Michael Payne, I guess, was pretty high up at uh, Bell Helicopter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is, that a, is that a thread that has uh, interested you over the years? And if you pursued that, what are your thoughts on Michael and Ruth Payne and Bell Helicopter and the pullout in Vietnam and so forth? 
It's a very curious situation. The, the, the character of Lee Harvey Oswald, which, by the way, I don't believe for a moment is the sole guilty party. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure where I land on his complete innocence, uh, but uh, does appear to have been somebody who we have learned over the years, you know, by still wrenching documents out of the hands of the government, by the way. Uh, only this week, I bet you didn't read about it anywhere, but just this week, you know, some more documents were released. Um you know, that have to do with the CIA and Oswald. Now, I haven't gone through them in, you know, with the fine tooth comb just yet, but uh, slowly but surely we get little bits and pieces. Um, look, there's a lot of threads that go that way. And here's an interesting thing to consider. You bring up Bell Helicopter. Why does that matter? And why does the Vietnam War matter? Well, let's go beyond Vietnam for a moment. You know, several times uh, in, in the uh, early 60s there, there were many chances for wars to break out. There were many possibilities where there could have been a great deal of money made by those that do profit from war. I do mean war profiteers. I do mean people whose business it is to make that money, uh, whether they're making camping gear or, or food or weapons or helicopters. It's almost irrelevant because uh, here's the thing. John F. Kennedy didn't want to engage, didn't take the bait when it came to a conflict in Germany. There could have actually been a shooting war between East and West Germany. There could have been a shooting war, an invasion of Cuba, because there were generals pushing for that. There was an attempt to uh, push the United States into a conflict in Laos, okay, uh, in, in Vietnam, in various places. There were all over the world different opportunities for those that would profit from war to make the money. And you know what? It's a funny thing. When John F. Kennedy really didn't want to go for it, and some people said, He's kind of a communist, you know, he's, he's sympathizing with the wrong side of things. He's, uh, you know, look, look at this disaster uh, when it comes to the Cuban Missile Crisis. The guy's giving up these uh, irrelevant, you know, uh, Saturn rockets there in Turkey. Uh, look at how he's giving in to the communists. He's not, he's not taking the bait. And that's what happened. A, a sad lesson that he had to learn from the Bay of Pigs, unfortunately, which, uh, you know, again, I urge people to take a look at. Uh, there is always new information even being learned about that particular saga in American history. But that's the thing. You deny the war machine and you deny the military industrial complex enough times. I'm feeling like they might try to do something about it. Yeah, he um, he walked into this national security state, I guess, and um, like a a lamb to the slaughter. What was the ultimate nail in the coffin do you suppose people talk about that that speech um that he delivered what was the university of um american university american speech? university yeah um and, and and they say that was the that was it that was more than the national security state could countenance and that was it what are your thoughts yeah, well, see, and that's one of those things that's in Jim's book, uh, James Douglas's book, uh, JFK and the Unspeakable, and in many people's uh, books uh, regarding this. It, it is a watershed moment. And I, I think a lot of people don't recognize exactly how uh, remarkable the language was uh, that was in some of Kennedy's speeches. Here's a guy talking about peace. Now, let me ask you this question, Richard. When was the last time you actually heard an American president offering the idea of peace as a solution. I don't mean to a particular conflict, but I mean in general, seeking out to uh, uh, eliminate 
conflict as a thing in general. He talked about the removal of weapons of war, the commonality. I know that this was a, a something that was shared by a few others. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Ted Sorensen and some of the others who uh, put in a great deal of input into those speeches uh, were, were certainly putting out a message there. But again, how dangerous is that to people that uh, make their livelihood from what? From blood, from conflict. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter which side of the war wins as long as I can sell weapons to both. At the end, hey, I, I, I have made friends with the winner, whoever wins. And if nobody wins, well, then you know what? I have no enemy left. It's, it's a thing of beauty to do that, isn't it? Uh, and, and we have watched nothing but the exponential growth of, uh, of that industry ever, ever since. And, and what can I say? You know, uh, here we go. What was the final nail in the coffin? Hard to say, uh, uh, honestly, but there was a lot going on. And again, when you challenge the people that, uh, that you know, subsist on the blood of others, well, this is the kind of thing that happens. And, and I know people like to throw in the mafia and uh, the various other right-wing organizations and this and that and the third thing. But I'll tell you the truth. I, I think you're, uh, you're picking at exactly the right area uh, for, for who would benefit most uh, from getting this guy out of the way and putting a, a whole lot more of an agreeable individual in place in the form of Lyndon Johnson. Um, so there you go. All right. Another time out. Stay with us. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Chuck Ocelli is here. The Ocelli effect. Ocelli effect is... Um, well, it's a whole radio station, really. A number of uh, different programs available there. Ocelli.com to find out more. Ocelli.com. Check the uh, link in the episode notes. We're talking about uh, the JFK assassination, why it still matters. Um, it's funny. I was trying to think of that Dennis Miller joke when, because um, we were talking about how younger people, you know, ask continually, you know, why does it still matter if they even know about JFK? It was that Dennis Miller joke. Um, um, he asked some young people about where were you when JFK was shot, and they they mean they they said you mean the Oliver Stone movie. Um, so <laughs> the Oliver Stone movie and Oliver Stone that was the the impetus for the uh, President John F Kennedy Assassination um, Records Collection Act, and uh, it was mandated that what by 2017 all of the JFK documents had to be declassified. Uh, that hasn't happened. Um, but do you think there are still, I mean, wh why do you think they are still holding on to, to the, any of these documents? 
just about anybody uh, associated with that assassination is dead. I mentioned Ruth Payne. I think she's still alive, um, um, but pretty well out. <laughs> Pardon me? Last I checked, Richard, yeah. she's still alive, yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty well everyone else is, is gone. Yeah. Why are they still holding on to documents at this stage? Isn't that a great question? Uh, you know, it, look, the Records Collection Act, yes, by 2017, you know, when Trump was in office, all he had to do was nothing, and a whole lot of stuff would have came out. Now, is that all of the documentation that could come out? Absolutely not. There are a great many records which have yet to be collected. There is a whole lot of that law which has not been uh, uh, followed, okay? There's a current lawsuit against the uh, Biden administration, as we speak, uh, attempting to loose the rest of these things. Uh, you know, why, why, why? It's very interesting. I'll give you a, an alternate question, though, Richard. I, I want to see if you can answer this one for me. Uh, and, and you know what? I think we'll come up with the same answer. Ready? Uh, you do know that there was this uh, assassination about 100 years prior to the Kennedy assassination and uh, another president, coincidentally, uh, named Abraham Lincoln, right? I mean, you're aware of this. Oh, yes, that sounds familiar. <laughs> okay, well, you, you're aware of the idea that there was uh, most likely a lone shooter, but there was a conspiracy because people were actually hung oh, yeah. for conspiracy there, right? I mean, the, the government admits there was a conspiracy there, right? Absolutely. Okay, and then there were others that were arrested later and all this, and John Wilkes Booth is the alleged assassin. I mean, you're well aware of all that, right? Right. So are you aware that there is documentation in the National Archives' hands right now about that assassination that you're also not allowed to see? Ah, interesting. That I did not know. Ah, okay. Well, go, go, ahead, and, go ahead and try and get it if you like. If you want to pay a visit to them uh, directly, go ahead. Uh, uh, see, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but there are documents related to, the, uh, to, to that assassination. And I dare say, no one could possibly be alive. Uh, from uh, Abraham Lincoln's day, I think they would have changed their sources and methods by now, you know, and I think the sources and methods from 60 years ago would have changed by now. Oh, wait, it's a matter of national security. Well, if it's just and disgruntled kooky kid who would became fascinated with Fidel Castro, because that's the characterization of Lee Harvey Oswald, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, the mainstream idea. Okay, I, I was just checking because it gets confusing after a while. Um, you know, the guy who went and defected to Russia, even though he was a Marine, spent time there, did some interesting stuff, came back, and allegedly, after running around and 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 uh, claiming to be part of a uh, uh, the Fair Play for Cuba committee and handing out literature and all that, turns around and shoots the president. Obviously, an obsessed commie, kooky kid who, at the age of twenty four, had done all that. Uh, wow, I mean. Where's the national security problem there if that's the only story to be told? Richard, you got you got you got an answer for me? <laughs> I wish I did, except uh yeah, obviously it's not about protecting uh individuals, it's about protecting institutions. There you have it. You see, we can answer this all by ourselves. Everybody says why why why? I think think for a moment, what is the point of this? Look, we know what it's not. Is, is what it comes down to. We know that if it was just this kooky kid happenstance and there was somebody that could be held to account because of incompetence, oh, wait a minute, are, are we going to discuss 9-11 next? No, you don't have that much time, Richard. Hold on. Uh, thing <laughs> is, if there, exactly, but if there's incompetence here, nobody's going to be taking a task. Nobody's going to lose their job. Anybody who was employed back then is no longer employed, or if they are, I, I, they got to be on the edge of retirement. I mean, 60 years ago, Richard, where, where, where are we at here? 
look, there is no way that there is any national security purpose for holding this stuff back, no matter what it is. Uh, you know, what, what, what could they possibly have if the official narrative is true? What could they possibly have in their hands that we, we can't see? Oh, by the way, you do know there's two official narratives as well, right? Uh, at least, I would say, probably. Oh, oh, official narratives. My apology. Official narratives. Yeah. Okay, what is the... Uh, oh, well, we're familiar with the six-story... Uh, uh, oh, yeah, sure. We know the books depository building, so... And Lone Shooter. Uh, right. Lone Nut Shooter, sixth floor, depository building. Okay, yeah. three shots. We're not sure what order they came in. Magic bullet. Voila. 1964 conclusion, right? Right. But in 1979, the uh, it stands equally... 1979, the House Select Committee on Assassinations concluded yeah. that it was uh, very likely as a result of what? A conspiracy. Yeah. Do we know who conspired? No, we don't know, but we're closing up shop anyway. Take care. Uh, yeah. So uh, there are actually two official conclusions that differ just a bit, and neither one is actually uh, any more <laughs> substantive than the other, technically speaking. However, uh, people have been doing a lot of work and uh, over the years, and there's many things that could be said about both of those investigations. Uh, Got to hold up air quotes. See, I love this. I can do this on, on a video with you. I can actually do the air quotes. I, I have to do that on radio all the time. I'm holding up air quotes. Um, but uh, yeah, investigations, is that what it really was? Uh, I, I, I don't think so, but it was an explanation. Uh, along with many other explanations like, you know, learning about what the CIA was actually up to regarding Fidel Castro. I mean, how many things you want to go into? Pike, Rockefeller, uh, the, uh, you know, the various commissions and different congressional hearings that went on in the 1970s, along with the House Select Committee, right? Uh, we, we got a lot of revelations, but we never really get answers. And oh, by the way, is there any solution to these two big questions? Oh, and the House Select Committee also found just by the by, that uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination was uh, likely as a result of a conspiracy as well. But you can't see those documents either. Anyway. Anything, uh, any, any of the documents that were dropped uh, either 2017, there were some more in 2021. You mentioned uh, just within the last couple of weeks some more. But where what are the, what are the most uh damning documents do you think that have come out let's say in the last six years over time there's been uh, a lot of reinforcement of believe it or not you know the craziness uh, of, of the conspiracy theorist uh has been reinforced one way or another you know lee harvey oswald had no connection whatsoever no involvement no interactivity with the uh, the cia or any other government agency right well they've actually proven that to be a, a falsehood with their own documents uh, they've shown that various journalists were in contact and being briefed by uh, different intelligence agencies. These things have come out. The, the Mexico City farce has been evolved as far as the, uh, the, the overall portrait. Uh, but it's very, very tough. I mean, you're talking 5 million documents. Uh, and by the way, by document, I don't even mean pages because a document could consist of multiple pages. Um, there have been many things that have come out. It's, it's almost impossible to pare it down to what's really the most important thing, except to tell you that uh, most of what you've heard from conspiracy theorists, uh, maybe not the most outlandish things in the world, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the Majestic 12 kind of stuff and that kind of thing. Maybe that's not true, but a whole lot of the other assertions uh, that, that used to be considered, you know, 
the land of crazy people like Lee Harvey Oswald, not only having dealt with people from the FBI, the CIA and oh, U.S. Customs, uh, uh, you know, maybe uh, all of that having gone on. Well, you know, that happens to turn out to be true. Uh, did we know a little bit more about him? Uh, you know, did different people in different agencies know about him? They certainly did. Uh, and again, if it goes back to just the kooky kid who pulled a trigger, where, why, why are we hiding this? What is the purpose of it? Did somebody just drop the ball? Could we forgive somebody who's probably long dead now? I mean, J. Edgar Hoover's been gone for 50 years, right? Yep. Uh, you know, just saying, uh, who, who, who would be held accountable nowadays? Oh, wait a minute. You already answered this, Richard. The institutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a problem, huh? Revelations that Ruby and Oswald uh, associated with each other prior to their uh, their rendezvous in the uh, basement of the uh, Dallas uh, courthouse. What are your thoughts? Well, interesting stuff about Jack Ruby all the way around, but still another character who coincidentally just showed up and randomly shot another guy. No conspiracy. Nobody else involved there, too. Uh, you know, one lone nut killed another lone nut in Dallas, Texas. I, I got to say, Richard, the, the most amazing thing to me is that when I was uh, in third grade, okay, I was eight, nine years old, and uh, my, my third grade teacher was telling me about this because it was, I don't know, 1980 maybe. Um, you know, she was talking about it because it was going to be 20 years since this happened, and uh, obviously we weren't alive. None of the little kids were. She's telling us the story about what happened, and she starts telling us the basics, and Lee Harvey Oswald in custody dies, uh, my hand shot up and I said, okay, so the cops killed him, right? And she said, no, you know, I was kind of a street level kid. I mean, look, if you die in police custody, likely either the cops killed you or they left you in a cell with somebody who wanted a piece of you and you got, you got took out. I mean, it's just that simple. And she said, oh no, there was this other guy who came up and I went, yeah, something's wrong there. <laughs> uh, you know, but I was nine and knew nothing. Uh, but then again, you know, from the mouths of babes and from the mind of the simple and, and, and use your common sense, who gets killed in police custody uh, if the police are not involved? Uh, how is it that a lone nut can get at a guy in police custody? He's literally cuffed to two other officers, uh, you know, and, and supposed to be in a four point protection. Uh, if you ever watch that piece of film, it's amazing to watch a four point protection breakdown. And I worked in security, so I know that these are actual things that you do when you're trying to protect a client. And uh, or a prisoner. But but anyway, you know, pay no attention to that. I mean, they should have known that in 1963 as well. Uh, although they did seem to know right where he was going. I mean, a whole bunch of media showed up at the point of his arrest real fast. That was interesting. I wonder how they caught up to that real quick. Oh, Richard, there's so many questions, aren't there? <laughs> too many, too many. Uh, we'll have to pick up on this conversation uh, on another, uh, the nearest opportunity. Ocelli Effect, what's um, what's coming up on your, your show next? Well, next, boy, I, you know, I never know what I'm doing because I'm always studying what is happening in the now. So uh, recently I, I did talk to somebody about uh, about what went on during COVID uh, and, and that gets me in trouble too. That was another thing got me in trouble on YouTube. Not going to make any comments here. I don't want to get you in trouble, Richard. I respect you. I, I really, I actually have been listening to you for a long time. So I, I love you. I love your voice. Uh, it sounds a little different to me today. Your, your voice is usually this really great, soothing AM polite Canadian thing. I love it. I, I'm a complete, I sound like the rock DJ that got lost when I do my talk show. I know, but, uh, I do all kinds of stuff over there and I produce others, including, uh, Chris Graves and, uh, and, and Aaron Franz right now are, are the two main guys uh, whose shows I produce. Uh, one of them's an author and one of them is a prolific podcaster. Uh, 
you know, get, get mad with Chris Graves and also uh, the age of transitions with Aaron Franz, who talks about transhumanism and things like that. I'm really proud to produce those guys and others that I have produced over the years. Uh, Jack Blood, Pierce Redman, all kinds of different people uh, with unique perspectives. I love doing that. And my show also runs five nights a week. Plus, we're on we're an online radio station. If you, you find us on your little radio apps and stuff, occasionally we pop up on AM and FM here and there. But eh, I've gotten kicked off of those as well. <laughs> so little little controversial, Richard, just so you know. That's all right. Keep doing what you do. Uh, big plans for the 60th anniversary. I am going to go to Dallas. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm going to go to Dallas and uh, meet up with some people. We're actually planning a little road trip. So if people want to come and meet me, plus uh, I, I've been invited to present at the Lancer Conference again, uh, which uh, I, I may do. I'm not a great presenter in public. I mean, I have lectured at some universities and things like that. But, um, you know, it, it, it's it's fun one way or another. Uh, if I've got some unique information to present uh, to the conference, I'll do that as well. So I'm going to be there for that. And uh, we're, we're all going to kind of get together down there and kind of hang out. People are coming from a couple of different parts of the country to uh, to meet up with us. Myself, author Mike Swanson, a couple other people that work with the network. We're going to kind of have a little impromptu get together alongside of the convention. So <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Chuck Ocelli, ocelli.com. Check it out. And a great pleasure meeting you finally, Chuck, uh, after all these years. And uh, let's let's do this again sometime soon. Thank you so much. A new Richard Serrett's Strange Planet drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday.